Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here, and it is time, as we do each week, mm-hmm. to find out what the underachievers down the street from us at 200 West Washington are up to. And for that, we go to one of the best in the business. You know her from the Indiana Capital Chronicle, the great Nikki Kelly. Hello. Hello. How are you? All right. So it's been a little bit under a week since you guys did that incredible expose on Gabriel Whitley, the guy running in the 7th Congressional District uh, on the Republican side for Congress. Nikki, you've been at this for 20 plus years now. Have you ever seen or heard of a story like the one you guys put out on Gabriel Whitley? Yeah, probably not. (laughs) And and mainly because it had a lot of different avenues. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't just one. You'd be going down and You'd look into something else, and then that turned into a thing. And you, you know, there were just lots of offshoots that that were surprising and and interesting. So, how long did you guys work on that story? Because I think that's what's most interesting is the amount of time you guys put in. Because, as you said, every time you open, you know, pull up one rock on this guy, you got to pull up seven more because it's like a choose your own adventure novel. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a couple months, to be honest. Now, now, at least during some of that, there was session going on. So it was on the back plate, you know, we'd get to it, a, you know, here and there, a few hours a day kind of thing. But, you know, a lot of it was just tedious Googling, social media, checking public databases, you know, looking tax records, looking at marriage records. So it was just a lot of tedious, uh, you know, trying to find public records. Now, I know that you spend a lot of time over at the State House. Have you heard any rumblings from anyone over there about the article or anything that's going on with him? No, I really haven't. It's been super quiet. Um, before we went to press, I did speak to a few higher up Republicans basically said they didn't know anything about him they had heard a few rumors here and there um so i i think honestly he is a bit of an enigma who sort of popped on the scene and maybe they didn't know what they're dealing with and now are are getting an idea um so yeah it's been very quiet yeah and that's the i was on with tony kennett last night we were talking about this there's a chance this guy could be the republican nominee for u.s congress against andre carson this fall he could be. I will say this, and without, let's just put it this way. There were some Republicans who had only heard sort of negative rumors, and they did reach out to make sure he wasn't the only person on the ballot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nikki Kelly is our guest, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll keep up to date on this Gabe Whitley story as things uh, develop. All right, so uh, speaking of candidacies and candidates and challenges, today's a big day at the Statehouse, right, Nikki? Well, yeah, in a little conference room across the street, yeah. But um, the Indiana Election Commission is meeting. They've got, you know, a couple dozen candidate challenges. The biggest, there are six of them against John Rust, who wants to run for U.S. Senate, obviously. And that's the one everyone's watching. Uh, Obviously, the Supreme Court lifted the injunction that, you know, stopped them from applying the two primary requirement to him. So I think the general feeling is they will do what they did two years ago, which was remove a bunch of candidates if they don't um, meet that. There is always the caveat 
that it is a 2-2 board. And so theoretically, if, you know, two Republicans and two Democrats, they could just lock every time. But that is not what happened two years ago. Well, this is what's interesting. So he was on with us, what was that, last week? Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, look, I turned in 17,000 signatures. Most of them got verified. Uh, and I'm going to basically said I'm going to make the case of look at all these people that would be kind of disenfranchised. Is there any sympathy he might get? Does he have a case with that? Or, or like you said, are they just going to say, hey, look, here's the rules and you're out of here? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, that one's gotten a lot of attention and a lot of traction. So I feel like now that they have a Supreme Court, and, you know, we're still waiting for the verbiage of the ruling, but we know the effect of their ruling. You know, the Supreme Court basically is going to uphold that law, or, or, or I assume they wouldn't have stayed the injunction. So you'd kind of be going against, you know, a pretty significant ruling. And I know at least a few of them are lawyers on that list, on that commission. So. We'll see. Uh, isn't that what's most interesting about this and kind of confusing, by the way, Nikki Kelly's our guest with the Indiana Capital Chronicle, is that the Supreme Court initially declined to stay the ruling. And so everybody kind of thought, oh, well, maybe they're thinking this this uh, judge's ruling is going to be upheld. But then they kind of reversed themselves, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, that, no, that did come after they heard argument and the case was fully briefed. They declined to get in before they, I think, had all the information they wanted to make sure they could make a, you know, a learned judgment. Are there any other interesting challenges over there um, today for candidacies or is everybody, because there's what, six against Rust, is there anything else that you're looking at going, oh, that'll be interesting? Well, there is a challenge against Donald Trump under the 14th Amendment. I don't expect that to go anywhere. Two years ago, Someone tried the same thing against Jim Banks, and it especially didn't go anywhere, although obviously there's more direct evidence involving Donald Trump. Um, There's uh, Gabe Whitley filed a challenge against Joe Biden um, (laughs) on petition Hmm. signatures, which he is well, well, well over the number of petition signatures needed. So I'm not really sure the understanding behind that challenge. Wait, wait. So, Nikki, let me make sure I understand you correctly. So today, if Whitley could show up, a guy who had this huge expose about his donations and the political consulting firm he works for, and he's got the FEC looking at him and, and now the IED looking at him, and he could show up. He could have the audacity mm-hmm. to show up today and challenge Joe Biden on signatures. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds interesting. <laughs> it should be a fun day. <laughs> is there, a, I mean, are they seriously going to look at it? Or is this like they have to? They have to. I mean, the challenge is filed. But basically, they'll just, whoever files it gives a brief statement of why they think that whoever is on the other side gives a brief statement if they submit any evidence they have. And then, you know, there's a vote. I, I don't expect that one, obviously, to take long. To because, go anywhere? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Biden has so many signatures. Even if you could, you would literally have to toss out hundreds per district, which is just not going to happen. All right. So um, Nikki Kelly is our guest from the Indiana Capital Chronicle. You had an interesting piece. Uh, you, you know, you do a lot of straight reporting and then you have an opinion piece that you put out over there, too, about the uh, power of the mm-hmm. Indiana General Assembly and with the super majority Republican rule and how that may. And look, we've said this before, too, that that's not good for the state. We need people to be able to fight with each other and have battles of ideas. And those don't seem to really take place anymore. You had a, a column about something similar. Tell us about it. Yeah, I just 
sort of it hit me one day that a lot of the bills that were coming through had one thing in common, and that's control, you know. And, and we've seen it for several years on the side of against local government, against Indianapolis, uh, preempting them or responding to anything Indianapolis does. They immediately respond and say, no, no, no. But, you know, we also have seen it in a couple other areas this year. One, they continue to overhaul, reform the administrative rulemaking process, which is very insider baseball for you government folks. But, you know, it's it's how agencies run these rules. And so it's inserting their oversight over state agencies, the executive branch, which, of course, is the governor's purview. Um, there are some issues. There was a bill on tenure and it would have given, uh, you know, appointments to the legislative leaders, to these boards of trustees of major Indiana universities that they did remove that, but the bill is still going through. So it could always be put back in. Those are just some of the examples. It seems like in every area they want, you know, a little more control. Nikki, it seems like based on your article, it's almost like the snowball effect that the more control the ha- they have, the more they gain. It's like the snowball keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I think that's a fair representation. I think, you know, once they start realizing what they can do, you know, it just it just continues down the line. Um, and there's no one to really call them on it because they're a supermajority. Right. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's one of the frustrating things is, is they're very selective, like the things you've laid out. Hey, they're willing to intercede or step in or outlaw local control. But then when it comes to something like we've talked about property taxes, they'll go, Oh, hey, that's a local decision. That's a local issue. You you need to you need to take it up with them. I think it's frustrating because they seem very selective when they want to do this. Well, yeah, they don't want the heat on property taxes, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't blame them because it is it is you know local funding, but it's also a a system that they created. Yeah, you know, property taxes are a feature of the legislature, so. All right. She's one of the best in the business. Find mm-hmm. her over at uh, Indiana Capital Chronicle. The great Nikki Kelly. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Nikki. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. That's an unedited clip of the President of the United States. There he is. Oh, Earth Rider. I found a really good beer over the weekend, by the way. It's my new favorite. It's my Sunday beer. Oh. Specifically for Sundays. It's called the Busted Knuckle Peanut Butter Stout. I've had that. Have you really? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's really good. It's it like, one like of those, peanut butter? It's like a fancy brewery mm-hmm. kind of beer. Big Woods in Speedway. Oh, okay, Surf's nice. It. Yeah. it tastes like peanut butter? Yeah, it's peanut butter infused. Sounds disgusting. No, it's amazing. <laughs> Wait, so you're drinking beer again? I thought you quit beer. I, I had a beer this oh, okay. weekend. Just one. She got hot enough. She decided she'd had enough. I actually had two beers this week. Oh, Kevin. Wow. Oh, oh. And then I bought a four-pack to go so that I could have some in the fridge. <laughs> well, now we're partying. <laughs> Kevin's like, can I come over? Okay, so we're hot off the NBA All-Star Game, and now we've got another major sporting event going on in Indianapolis this week. 
NFL players are here for the NFL Scouting Combine. You can always tell based on whether something's going on in Indianapolis based on the impediment of your ability to maneuver around the capital city. And uh, when uh, I came into work this morning, I noticed that it was a markedly slower trip uh, to downtown More Indianapolis traffic. than normally it is. So I knew something was was on. And as I was listening to the news today, WIBC News Department let me know, yes, indeed, it is the NFL scouting combine, which, mm-hmm. uh, let's face it, the NFL draft, and I've said this, next to the Super Bowl, I think the NFL draft, maybe the Indy 500, which I know we're going to get to in a second, mm-hmm. is round one of the NFL draft is one of the biggest single-day sporting events in the entire country each and every year. Now, they have turned that thing into a complete behemoth. Obviously, it's a months-long buildup. This year's going to be crazy because of all the good quarterbacks, and you have a team with the Bears with the number one pick who already have a quarterback. Are they going to trade quarterback? So there's all sorts of national media attention this year, especially around the combine as these teams prepare to see these guys, interview these guys. I think they're all going to be here, even if they all aren't throwing or working out. So it is just going to be a media uh, frenzy. Yep. They've got about, what, 300 of the best college football players here in town showing off their skills. They start off by doing their measurements, their running, and then they do interviews. And then the linemen do their thing. You mentioned the draft. It's in Detroit this year. So not far. If that's on your bucket list. It's closer I, I, than last year. I can assure you going to Detroit has never, <laughs> under any circumstance, Casey, ever been on my bucket list. Uh, no, I'm fine. You know, you know I, my, my thing is the first round of the NFL draft is my favorite day of the year for sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love everything about it. I love the strategy. Now, they have ruined it a little bit because it used to be for years and years and years, it was in Radio City Music Hall, and there were a couple of things you could always look forward to at the draft which have largely gone away as they've turned it into a – rotating circus number one the jets fans were going to boo whoever picked and it was picked and we always used to chuckle it's some guy's day where it should be the greatest day of his life and you're greeted to the team that you're drafted with with a chorus Mm -hmm. just a chorus of boos it wouldn't matter if you know peyton manning were the number one pick by the jets they would have booed Mm -hmm. and then also uh, al davis who is no longer with us would draft some obscure guy based totally on physical characteristics and people would be looking around going what the hell did they just do and so uh, we don't have that anymore but it is still the nfl draft another thing that's going on less than 100 days to the indy 500 and ticket sales are about dead even with the 2016 sellout isn't that interesting so that was the 100th running of the indy Mm -hmm. 500 obviously that was a monumental running and ever since then take away the covid year it has been a, a juggernaut. And I think, especially in the post-COVID world, people have recognized, hey, the government can take away things from us at any time. There's no guarantee this is going to be here. The government will take it from us. And by and large, society won't fight back. So we better go when we have these large, whether it's concerts, sporting events, mm-hmm. whatever. Don't say, hey, I'll do it next year because there may not be a next year. Right. And they're converting more and more people to lifelong racing fans i think it's like you go once and you realize what a spectacle it is you want to keep going and then you tell other people 
And that just is continuing to grow the audience. Plus, the past couple of years, the finish has been a little close. Yeah, but isn't that it makes one of those, it more exciting? Yeah, but isn't one of those events where it's like the spectacle is the event mm-hmm. itself, the actual race itself is almost. I mean, I get that there's like racing gurus out there that are just shouting at their radio right now, but I'm saying <laughs> for the public at large, let's face it, an Indy car race other than the Indy 500, there's like seven people watching it. The Indy 500, you know is a juggernaut and it remains the world's largest single day sporting event and obviously just take away the importance it has the city of indianapolis it clearly has a worldwide appeal unlike any other race that happens all year every year and so uh it's it's like the spectacle itself it's almost like the super bowl right the game itself other than two football people is largely irrelevant now i know you say that sporting events are better at home you can watch it on your tv use the restroom when you need to do all the things but i feel like the indy 500 is one of those events that it is better there at the track i'm also curious Ah! uh, no you don't think so so you can't you don't want to say it what say what you because you still like it better at home well okay let me okay preface this with a couple things number one i'm not a racing guy Mm -hmm. the only race i consume i consume basically two races each year the Daytona 500 and and the Indy 500. So I let me put that out there in the ether that I'm not a racing guy. Uh, it is for me the pageantry. It is the event it, itself. Um, and you can get you can get the sense of pageantry and the feel of the crowd. There's really no. And by the way, the Indy 500 is the only event in the world where listening to it on the radio is better than watching it on television. But you can get that feel. It's so rare that you get this, but you can get that feel of the pageantry and the importance and the just electricity in the air from the radio broadcast. And gosh darn it, Casey, it is a nightmare, a nightmare to try to get in and out of 16th and Georgetown. Mm -hmm. And if you don't really actually care about the race, and by the way, you miss most of the race. I know they've added billboards or whatever, but you miss most of the race. It's easier just to listen to Mark, our friend of the show, Mark James, just tell us what's happening on the radio. No, you need to come over to my place and we'll walk over to the track. Oh, no. (laughs) We'll do that two-mile trek, and then you can be there in person. Do you think that more fans are coming around since the Roger Penske investment in the track? Like, it's improving? So it's just bringing even more people in? Uh, I will leave this to Kurt Darling because he is race man extraordinaire. Kurt Darling, you live at the track in the month of May. It's quite uh, literally, yes. yes. literally. <laughs> and you love racing and you don't just do it because it's your job. Can you speak to this? Are more people going because of the upgrades to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? In a way, yes. It, it, it depends on what you're talking about. Like, are you talking about race racing in itself or just like the cosmetics of the track well, we itself? Well, we've been talking about, I know you're putting together a Marconi Award-winning newscast in there, but we've been talking about how <laughs> they're on the verge of another sellout at the Indy 500. And we've been talking about, hey, post-COVID, how what a juggernaut this thing has turned back into and really post a 100th running. And we're kind of discussing why that might have been that at this stage of the game, there's suddenly been this newfound interest in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and and the Indy 500. Well, on top of the quality of racing, because, I mean, uh, the race itself has been a, a really good race over the last couple of years yeah. or so, but also the other events leading up to it, like Legends Day, Carb yeah. Day, mm-hmm. they've actually done a really good job of targeting younger people. Like, they don't even have Bringing to be out there. 
just to go to the race. They're out there at the track to, you know, go to the Snake Pit or to the Legend Day, Legend Day concert or even, you know, Carb Day and all that other stuff. They've done a really good job of just targeting specific people like, hey, let's get people out here just at the track. And so you have all the, you have all the di- racing diehards in the stands, yeah. but then you have everybody else just kind of going out there to have fun for the have whole day. Time. And they've done a really good job with Experience that. Experience it. Yep, and, and, then the, and then there's people like me who just hate being around others and they can just enjoy it from the <laughs> comfort of their like crowds. You stay home. That leaves more room for people like me and Kurt. That's fine. We've got the news coming up next on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. interactive portion of the program we turn it over to you and your thoughts questions comments smart remarks it is time for your voicemails the phone number 317-684-8444 if you'd like to contribute it is 1034 with kendall and casey on 93 wibc so yesterday rob you had mentioned uh about the new apartments that were going up in brownsburg oh you mean 264 of them after they had previously said we should really just focus on building out what we have now Mm -hmm. and then they uh and then they approved 264 apartments and then uh their excuse was well we were talking about single family housing because mm-hmm. of course why wouldn't you want to dump 264 more apartment units on a town that already doesn't have the infrastructure and this is happening in these communities all over central indiana noblesville fishers carmel greenwood they, these governing bodies keep approving these apartment complexes and they are completely destroying the fabric and the makeup of the communities. I don't get it. Okay, well, I think you've answered this next phone call's question, this next person's question. You mentioned infrastructure and destroying the fabric of the community. But here he is, and he wants to know why you don't like them. Hey, Robin Casey. I'm a big fan of the show. Enjoy listening to the show. And... But, Rob, I've got one question for you. I listened to uh, yesterday's show, and you mentioned about, uh, you kept raving about apartment complexes. And I don't know if he had, might have mentioned this before in the previous show, and I might not have caught it. What is your deal with apartment complexes? <laughs> I live in an apartment, and it's cheaper than having to pay property taxes every year, but that's just my opinion. So can you be able to clarify that and let us know what your deal is with apartment oh other than that, keep up the good show. Bye. Casey, I need you real quick. Mm-hmm. I know you're a good practicing Catholic to mm-hmm. say a prayer for me right mm-hmm. now as I'm about to embark on this answer to this question that I don't say or do anything that is going to cost me my job here mm-hmm. or our broadcasting license because do I it. can't believe, I don't even know where to begin with that. First of all, yeah, you pay more property taxes living in a... I always used to hear this all the time from people when I was an elected person. Renters don't pay property tax. No, you do. You actually pay twice as much property tax as a homeowner. It's baked into the rent. Because apartments are taxed at 2%. Single-family houses are taxed at 1%. And if you think their landlord is like just eating the cost of that out of the goodness of their heart, they're wrong. So you do pay property tax, you actually pay more property tax. Now, look, I say this as somebody, now I never lived in an apartment. I lived in uh, either standalone houses or duplexes. I have nothing against people renting places 
and I understand that people early on in their inception need a leg up or sometimes they just don't want to mess with mowing a yard Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's nothing against renters. It's the reality that if you're going to take a community that doesn't have an infrastructure, like I was thinking about this driving in today in Indianapolis and I was looking at the apartments and stuff, the complexes that are, but there's actually some going in very near where you are. Mm -hmm. There is a game of reasonable expectation that when you moved into a very large, densely crowded major metropolitan city, there's going to be people stacked on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Like that is a game of reasonable expectation. That's why it's the capital city. That's why it's the largest city in the state. And you know that that's going to be happening because it's an economic hub. It's a a work hub. At least it was before Hogsett destroyed the city. But the... The infrastructure is built around the ability to handle hundreds of thousands or a million plus people in this general vicinity. When you take, in some of these cases, you know, three, four, five hundred units and you stack them on top of each other in a place like a Brownsburg or a Greenwood, you're now putting a thousand plus people boop, into your community. And the reality is that apartment complexes now, maybe not some of the super upscale ones like you see in Carmel, where it's probably seven, several thousand dollars a month to rent these things. But the average apartment complex that's going up, it does provide, it does require more police service. Mm-hmm. Don't be mad at me. Just the reality. It does require more fire service. They are going to be putting more kids into the public school system. And again, if you're taking a thousand people and that means, let's say it's six or 700 cars. Now all of those are on the road. Yeah. That apartment complex plays 2%, but the fabric of these suburban communities was, was not built on mass essential immigration to, or migration or whatever the correct word would be there to these communities. It was designed to be Here's the way the roads are built. Here's the way the town or city is planned. Here's the sort of population it is planned for. And when you st- you just start changing everything about the makeup of these communities. And if you look at all of these communities in central Indiana, they look nothing, nothing, even the, like the way they did 20 years ago. And I would bet, bet if you ask the average person who lived in these communities 20 years ago versus today, the people who, the backbone who built these communities, is it better off today than it was then? Overwhelmingly, they're going to tell you no. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is grossly irresponsible from a public infrastructure position. It's grossly irresponsible from a public safety perspective. And it's most importantly, grossly irresponsible for from a historical and fabric of the community perspective. But the problem is when you get so many people who have moved out here and all it takes is one council or government body to have one set of irresponsible growth. And now you have all these new people who have no respect for history. They have no respect for fabric. Why? Because, well, they're, they're, you know, they've transplanted themselves and they don't care what happened 20 years ago. They They don't care about what people grew up with or the game of reasonable expectations. And I mean, you are seeing this in, and it's not just like directly suburban communities like a a Brownsburg or a Greenwood or a, you know, a Carmel. It's places like Danville, Indiana, Casey, Mm -hmm. where there is growth going on out there that the people who live out there have to be looking around going, what the hell is this? (laughs) Who approved all of this stuff? Uh, Danville, Indiana had been Danville, Indiana for uh, whatever, been 150 plus years and it worked pretty well. And now all of a sudden within the past 10 years, there's a house farm in every corner there. Pittsburgh, Indiana is becoming the same way. I'm told Lisden, Indiana is becoming next. 
that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we are destroying the fabric of the state of Indiana, which is beautiful, beautiful land and beautiful, beautiful farm fields. And it's just it sucks. All of it sucks. It reminds me of Naperville, Indiana, or Illinois, in a way, because Naperville was a small little suburb of Chicago, and the growth just kept going there and going there and going there. And now it's the second largest city in the state of Illinois, and it looks nothing like it used to. Here's the other problem with apartment complexes, and it is also true for these single-family housing units. And I was told this directly by an Indiana suburban superintendent that these communities will look at the value of a home that's going up now. Like, and a lot of these house farm neighborhoods have, in some cases, four hundred, four dollars $450,000 homes. Mm-hmm. And people go, well, oh my gosh, look at that house. That's a very nice home. Yeah. The problem is, and again, I was told this directly by, by a, an Indian, Indian, suburban India thriving school district superintendent, that what is happening is many of these people who are building these homes have come from other countries, and what they are doing inside of these homes is they are putting three, sometimes four families to a house because that is not being regulated. Mm-hmm. And so what you've done then, this $450,000 home, you say, well, what a profit-making you know, entity for the community. Multi-generational homes. But if you've got three or four families living in there, you don't have a $450,000 home. You now have a $100,000 home, which isn't near paying for itself. And the same thing is happening with these apartment complexes where you have, hey, you, well, it's a, only a two-bedroom apartment. You'd be shocked how many people you can get into a two-bedroom apartment, Casey. <laughs> okay, we got another phone call. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about the new language that the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, sent out. And here's somebody calling about pronouns. I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, in 1961. I've always said, you guys. However, I lived in Huntsville, Alabama, and Stone Mountain, Georgia, where they said, y'all, or you all please tell me what am i supposed to do now i can't go from y'all down there or you all to you guys up here and when i was talking to a group of people you guys didn't just mean only guys it meant the people that were around me oh boy i need help every day (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because it changes every day. That mandate came from a guy who tweeted something opposite of what he's telling you today. That's correct, 100%. Yeah, so you just got to, I guess, go with it, maybe. Uh, Kevin, one last phone call, and this one is directed to you. It's the one that's called Abby. Kevin just got back from his trip uh, from the UK Mm. where he was in Liverpool. Yeah. And somebody wanted to call and give you a bit of trivia about Abbey Road. Uh, not me again. Hey, I got a bit of trivia for Kevin. Uh, I just called and welcomed him back. But at EMI slash Abbey Road Recording Studios, back in 62, 63, just after the first Beatles album that was recorded in mono, Les Paul visited the EMI studios, and him and George Martin... Sir George Martin <laughs> created, invented, perfected multi-track recording. Mm-hmm. They had one channel of input signal, and they added another one. Well, why not two, a left and a right? Mm-hmm. And every recording after that is recorded in multi-track uh, tape recorders. So uh, just a bit of trivia. 
Les Paul, wow, amazing guy. There's a biography about him on PBS. But anyway, welcome back again, man. That is fascinating. I thought that uh, that is something, Rob, that you can appreciate about the Beatles because that affects something that you do every day, multi-track recording. Well, you know, know, Casey, if we hadn't had the multi-track recording, there would have been no Strawberry Fields, which means it would not have been time to bury Paul. (laughs) How about that? Okay. Hammer's going to join us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I saw him last night across... The stadium. Hammer joins us. Boy, you two are terrible luck. WIBC. Yeah. Terrible luck. Casey had as many rebounds as Tyrese Halliburton had last <laughs> night. <laughs> Man, that was his worst night he's had as a pacer. Yeah, he, he wasn't really on fire last night, was no, he? No, no. That was the worst <laughs> I've seen him wearing the blue and gold. And again, mm-hmm. everybody has an off night from time to time, and he certainly wasn't alone. Uh, his backcourt mate, Andrew Nemhard, just got muscled up by Scotty Barnes last night. Matherin was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Siakam was fine. Mm-hmm. But, man, they could not play a lick of defense. Kept getting beat on that backdoor cut. And that's the problem with the Pacers, yeah. right? You beat these really good teams. You beat up on the Bucks. You beat the Celtics. You, you know roll up the Mavs just a couple days ago. And you have been swept by the Blazers. You lose two to the Raptors. You lost one to Charlotte. That's what separates the pretty good teams from the good teams. And they haven't made that jump yet. Yeah, I found myself, because I'm poor and don't have cable, I was watching that on the ESPN tracker last night. And I knew you both were there. And I found myself hating the both of you for being such terrible luck. (laughs) And, uh, well, let's face it. I mean, look, here's what I'm going to do. Listen, I'm not going to say that it was all Casey's fault. But I go to a lot of these games. Yeah, and they don't don't look that bad. I go to one and that's I'm just saying, I'm about 90% of Mm -hmm. Pacer games this Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And then you show up Mm -hmm. and Tyrese Halliburton (laughs) looks like he'd belongs in the, like the CYO league. What can I say? He was distracted by my beauty. That's and right. I'd also like to point out that the one game I went with you to this year was an overwhelming Pacers win. Yes, 100%. So I think what we've come to realize here is mm-hmm. that Casey's never allowed to go ever, ever, <laughs> ever again. All right, here's my challenge to you, because it's been a little bit of a rough patch for you at the sports betting recently. I mean, you were on fire for the Super Bowl, but as you always talk about, water finds its level. Tonight is your night. There's an IU basketball game tonight, and tonight is your night. Tonight is the night for all of us who have lost so, so much on your choices the past couple of weeks that you get us our money back. Tonight is the night that you reclaim your betting glory and you reascend to the top of that mountain, Jason Hammer. All right. I will make my bet on that and I will put it on social media. I love it. And you can hear that game right here at 93 WIBC. Pre-game starts at 6, mm-hmm. which means it's an abbreviated Hammer and Nigel show. John Herrick and company take the reins at 6. Because you are due to hit a hot streak. You are like that George Brett type of hitter where when you get hot, you just get rolling. And I think tonight, tonight I, is going to be the night. I'm very streaky. So middle of last week, hit 3 out of 4. Yeah. It's like, all right. And then 
hit a stretch where we lost three out of four. I mean, water level. That's right. how it is. Uh, that's why they have the big casinos and we live mm-hmm. where we live. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> hey, you guys are playing a game on your uh, award-winning mm-hmm. afternoon show, and we, we want to know more about it. Yeah. So we're giving away tickets to see an amazing concert, Rob Zombie with Alice Cooper, yeah. August 31st. So we're playing a game called Rob Zombie or Rob Kendall, where <laughs> I give a listener a fact about someone. It will either be a fact about Rob Zombie mm-hmm. or a fact about our very own Rob Kendall. Yeah. Like, here's an example of what we did yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you had to get two out of three. Question number one This individual produced a remake of the scary flick Halloween. That would be Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie. Yeah. All right. That was one. He had to get one more. <laughs> okay. The second one was this individual would once tell chicks in Broad Ripple he's got the ability to turn off their water. That's Rob Kendall. Right. Yeah. You would have won the tickets. Fantastic. Right I like this game. That's a good one. Uh, that's good stuff. I like this game. Got a question for you, yeah. Rob, as the uh, political animal that you are, the yeah. context that you have. Do we know if the same group of losers are running Jefferson Shreve's congressional campaign <laughs> that ran the mayor campaign? Is it the fat guy and the washed up guy? Yeah, the, I don't know if he re-enlisted the well-fed fella because you you were pointing out, and we talked about this earlier on the mm-hmm. show, if he'd have run the same sort of ads when he ran for mayor as he's running for Congress, he might be the mayor of Indianapolis right now. True, but does he really mean it, though? Like, no. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> no. If you put that dude no, in absolutely office, absolutely not. that's going to be a vote on gun control. Absolutely. Right? He's going to be ban assault weapons guy, even though he doesn't know an assault weapon from his ass to a hole in the ground. <laughs> so I'm just curious, because the district that he's trying to win, you know, that's Greg Pence's area. Yeah. That includes, like, Columbus mm-hmm. and some areas around there. That's IBC country. Yeah. They love us down in Columbus, Thompson Furniture yeah! and Mattress mm-hmm. and uh, all those folks down there. I wonder if they understand what this dude is all about. Yeah, but then we talked about like Speedy's the front runner and he's running ads that he's the next incarnation of Reagan and when he was in the state house, he's raised the budget by tens of billions of dollars, raised all these taxes. There's like, is there anybody you can rely on and go, okay, that person's actually going to go there and fight for me and be a conservative voice? Picking the lesser of evils here, if my options are, this guy's a weasel and he might raise my taxes or this guy hates me and wants to take away my rights, which way do you think I should go? It's quite a couple of choices. Right? What's coming up this afternoon? Uh, we're going to play Rob Zombie or Rob Kendall for more tickets. Biggest stories of the day, and we're going to have a good time. Great job, Hammer. Thank you. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.